Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. There we go. You'll like this. Okay, God, God has been so good to us this week. We just got back from Boston uh, last night. We have been in Boston, Massachusetts with our five Antioch churches in the greater Boston area. Uh, it's just amazing what God's doing up there. And they were just totally fascinated with our discipleship series that we've been doing. Uh, and all the training that many of you are now like, is he going to show that again? Yes, I'm going to show it right now. I'm going to show our Antioch Raleigh D-Cycle, which is short for the discipleship cycle, the five D's of a devoted disciple. And those five D's are decided, delivered, disciplined, developed, and deployed. And we are Kicking off today, officially, actually, Chris Jolly jumped the gun last week, so he really kicked it off, and he did a great job of it. Uh, We're going to talk about developed. We've talked in the past, since last fall, we started, we really explored, decided, we explored, delivered. We've, in the spring, we just looked at the disciplines, and then this summer, we took a pause and started Really, family discipleship, but we're going to continue this series because this is just a fascinating thing that is the bee in my bonnet, if you will, which is I meet people all the time that say, I really don't know how to make a disciple. And yet, that is the last thing out of Jesus' mouth. So you'd think we'd make it a really major objective of all of our instruction, which is love, to learn how to teach people to be disciples. And so that is, in fact, what we're going to continue to do. And there's kind of a, almost a tension between what I would call the, you know, let's go out and have coffee and tell me what you're, what's bothering you, discipleship method. And then there's this checklist of you got to do this and this and this and this and this. Another way of saying it, let's do the intuitive method and let's do the concrete method. And the point is, what we want to do is pull the two together and marry them in the middle. So that we're taking out a lot of guesswork, especially for young believers. And we're also reminding our practitioners of discipleship all the tools they have when they're meeting with someone who, the, who they are cultivating in their walk with Jesus. Because here's the thing about all of us. We are all beggars showing other beggars where the bread is. In the sense that we're all spiritually hungry. And so it's not some... Our discipleship and our mentorship is not about superiority. It's just... Two people on a journey together, and one might be slightly ahead of the other. Um, and so, this morning, I wanted us to uh, discuss what I, I'm calling this whole. I, as I've been praying about the develop section, we have a thing we call kingdom worldview, 
suffering and eternal rewards, spiritual gifts, callings and vocations, servant leadership. One of the things that I have observed, and many believers have shared this with me over the years, is that I kind of felt like when I was in my church or my college group or my ministry that I was a part of, they kind of got me right to this point. It's kind of drugged me across the death line into going to heaven, and I kind of got my, my I mean, I didn't, I didn't want a life insurance policy. I really wanted to follow Jesus, and they kind of, it's like I crossed that, I, I, made the, I have decided to follow Jesus, and then it was like, wow, I'm out here on this road on the way, and, and nobody's really helping me get down the road. So today's message is a a life of pilgrimage. And I'm really stealing some words from the scripture, and we're going to get in there. So if you've got your old-timey Bibles, kind I like, I recommend everybody have one next to their favorite spot and read it. Psalm 84, we're going to look at two sets of scriptures, and I'm going to read scripture for a while. So Psalm 84... It's an incredible psalm. And then Hebrews 8, excuse me, 11, 8 through 16. So Psalm 84, you can put your finger in the Bible. Psalm 84 and Hebrews 11, 8 through 16. Psalm 84. How lovely. And I'm reading from the King James Version, so you can just watch up, up there. Um, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Selah, which means pause. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca, They make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go forth to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. O God, behold your shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man who trusts in you. Hebrews eleven eight through 16. 
By faith or trust, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Because, listen to these words, she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sands, which is by the seashore. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, Eugene Peterson in Message Bible calls it homesick for the old country, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. In other words, God's really proud for those kind of people to call him their God. For he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your word is living and active. And even now, it is going in as a seed into the hearts of every one of us to implant a pilgrimage in all of our hearts, a place and a destiny that we're looking for, a city set on a hill. Lord, may every person in this room complete the journey because they've heard this word. And on that day, they will be so excited they did. In Jesus' name, amen. I uh, love the Lord of the Rings trilogy. If you do not like Lord of the Rings, you do not need to be in this church. No, (laughs) No, we love you anyway. But this, this little hobbit, gardener in the Shire, everything's pretty good with his life, except it's a little boring. And there's this big guy who comes into his life and really interrupts it. And he's got this kind of father figure uncle who has been outside and tells him about this, this, this other land that, that he needs to explore. And there's a whole lot of background, but he and his best bud, Sam Wise Gamgee, is, is Frodo's best friend. And the two of them go on this incredible journey, and they leave the Shire, and, the, and it's just one adventure after another. And 
There are moments of incredible adventure. There's moments of incredible fear and danger. Death that surrounds them uh, at moments. There are people looking for them because there's something they don't even understand about who they are. They have a destiny, and it's not a destiny just for themselves. It's a destiny for the entire planet. It's, it's for the entire Middle Earth. Now, Tolkien, who was quite a scholar, uh, and a scholar of English literature, was quite familiar with the greatest and first English novel. Now, most people, when I say English novel, I'm talking about fiction, kind of like Lord of the Rings. The very first fiction that was written in the English language was something you all have probably heard the name of if you've never read the book, or maybe you had a little slice of it in English literature class. It was called Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Anybody familiar with that? Anybody under the Oh, we've even got some people under the age of 30 that have heard that book. Well, it's kind of a timeless novel, and it's about, a, a, interestingly enough, a, a young man by the name of Christian who also goes on a journey. Every one of us like Friday night. I mean, most of us. We either like to curl up to a nice book or go see that favorite movie that really had... And I'm an epic kind of movie guy. I, I want to see... I mean, I, I, I need a, 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 an annual dose of Gladiator every year, okay? I, I, I want to go see a movie that is epic. And, and here's the thing about every single storyline of every great story that we all love. It starts out like this. Everything was nice and quiet and peaceful. Then something really bad and tragic happened. And then the unknowing kind of innocence find out that they are more than they thought they were, and they confront the evil that has destroyed everything that they loved, and in the middle of it they were betrayed, and they were harassed, and they were afraid, and they found courage. How about a story goes like this? Let's play golf all day. Who wants to watch that movie? Nobody wants to watch that movie. Who, let's just play video games all day. This is not the life that we've been invited to as we've become followers of Jesus. Jesus last week, we were introduced to the idea out of... John chapter 14, verse 6, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the emphasis was you can't have the truth or the light. You can't have the truth without the way. And if you don't get the truth, you won't get the life. So everything starts with living in the way. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is the really a, almost more accurate translation, if you really want to know the literal Greek, is. I am the road, not the way. All you Roman history scholars know what the Appian Way is, right? The Appian Way is those roads networking the Roman Empire. 
they're still in existence. They're all over Italy. You, you can, oh, there's a, and it's been around for 2,000 years. That was what Jesus was talking, and they were like, and then the question, the disciples were like, what road are you talking about, Lord? Which is kind of like us. And he's, he, then he says this weird thing. I mean, think about it. I'm the road. Then he says, I'm the truth. And then he says, I'm the life. Which I don't know about you, but last time I looked at my, my image of Jesus isn't, you know, asphalt and a stripe down the middle when I think of Jesus, right? And, and truth is kind of this theorem in a book, a definition. It's not a person. And then the, the life well, you know, that's kind of mysterious. Mysterious. We just have it or we don't. And Jesus says all of those things are within him. That's who he is. And so he's inviting us into this incredible journey that, by the way, is not linear. Can I just say that your life and my life are not geometry problems. In fact, they're not problems at all. all. They are adventures that we've been invited into and I don't care how chaotic or boring your life is you are a candidate to be on the pilgrimage that Jesus has invited us into that you have an opportunity for your heart to be set on pilgrimage the Apostle Peter said, as sojourners and pilgrims of this, this planet, avoid all the sins of the flesh. Because you know that you are looking, you are on a journey going somewhere else. Now one of the things that if you, for all you right bra uh, left brain people, my first point is the, the, the journey is, is not linear. Anybody that is over the age of 40 begins to get a real strong clue that it's not. I got a degree in law. I've been a lawyer for 24 years. This is a conversation I had yesterday. I have, I'm an estate and trust attorney, and I'm, I would say he's probably late 40s, and he's going, I keep asking myself, is this all there is? I was a uh, math teacher, but now I really want to be a business entrepreneur, or I, I'm, I'm wondering how I can serve Jesus while I am an attorney with people that just want to talk about how to avoid taxes when they die. He was pretty despairing. And, and you know what I realized? Let's go back to my, my little graphic. What I realized is on that callings and vocations under develop, we haven't discipled people on how to deal with the twists and the turns in the lives that come, all of us get into. I was going to be a doctor. 
Then when somebody said there were four more years of college, (laughs) after about a year and a half of college, I said, no way, Jose. So I thought, well, let me make some money. So I decided I liked chemistry, so chemists don't get paid as much as chemical engineers. So I'm practical. Let me go be a chemical engineer. Then one semester before I graduate... I decide to go plant churches all over the Big Ten in the Midwest of the United States for the next several years uh, and quit my degree program. So much to my parents' delight. (laughs) And, And then I'm in the ministry and I'm pastoring these churches and I'm doing church planting and the next thing I know... I'm no longer doing it because of some friction with the, the, the movement that I was a part of. And, and you know, I'm, I'm unemployed, low-paid pastor. So that's really bad because you don't have any savings. And now you're a college dropout to boot. And you've got three kids. And then you go just sell insurance. Because it's the only job you can find. And you go like Sam says to Frodo, I wonder what kind of tale we have fallen into. I mean, things have been bad and they're getting worse. And nobody was telling me, oh, you're on the road of Jesus and his ways and his training school. Oh, we didn't, we had, there, I do believe there's, that's why under this, we've got a whole section on suffering and eternal rewards. Because part of one of the, the most important thing that you need to get over in your life is that you are living behind enemy lines and there is all kinds of opposition. And not only that, just like the advertisement down in Texas years ago, We have met the enemy, and he is us. You have your own stuff and baggage and damage and wounds that have to be dealt with, and you sabotage yourself just by your own life. How many of you have ever... I I did that to myself. Yeah, we've all done it. I opened up my mouth, and I stuck my foot all the way down. (coughs) Okay, this way has cul-de-sacs, turns. Brenda and I came up with a joke. We were driving all over Boston, and these churches are all over Boston, and they, it would be a thing, GPS. It said, it's uh, 6.5 miles, 45-minute drive. <laughs> what is wrong with this thing? 48 minutes later, we'd get there. So we have, a, we have a saying, when you want to go anywhere in Boston, it's 59 turns. No major streets. You're sitting here going, why am I going through this neighborhood? Stop sign. Turn. Stop sign. Turn. 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 Stop sign. Do you know how frustrating that is for somebody that likes to go fast? Okay. So you had, so, so here's, here's the other life 
of his, is a life of pilgrimage and sojourning is that we all have to have we all have to travel with companions Han Solo had Chewbacca right sometimes your friends are a little hairy Frodo had Sam Abraham had Sarah I have Brenda and I have Scott and Becky and Craig and Annie and I have a whole bunch of friends that I journey with I have to have companions and we all ask the question occasionally what kind of tale have we fallen into like Samwise asked that day this journey we're on if you're taking notes it has to be not just a life of sojourning and pilgrimage but it has to be a life of passion why do we sojourn I love that word so much and that concept that when we were doing a house church network here in the Raleigh area we called it sojourners and our emblem was footprints because we understand this idea that we are part of a long procession of people that are headed towards something. We have a vision quest. We see something that no one else sees. And I can teach you all day long about the city set on a hill but until you get it deep inside of it, of your heart, you will never have the passion to sustain you for the journey of the pilgrimage. So we have to be a people of passion. We have to have a life of passion. We have to understand that in the middle of that passion, we are going to have detours and stops and all of those are intended to entice us to forget the city whose builder and founder is God. Everything about your life is going to have all kinds of stop and goes in it. And in the middle of it, it's real easy to forget that you are on a sojourn and a pilgrimage. You get so preoccupied. I mean, it's like spiritual attention deficit syndrome kicks in. And you begin to get so distracted about your boss that's a jerk instead of, and those clients who just want to beat the taxes. Well, my first question, I said, well, let me ask you this. What's your calling? He goes, what do you mean? I'm, I'm a lawyer. I said, no, that's your vocation. Oh. Now, this is a really smart guy. I mean, I don't know if you know where Harvard is. It's in Boston, and he went to law school kind of like down there. So he's a pretty smart guy, right? He didn't know the difference between the calling and a vocation. I dare say a lot of us don't. I have always been called, and so have you. Uh, let's just get this straight. I'm going to give you a clue. 
All of us are called to be followers of Jesus, number one. Every one of us. But guess what else we've all been called to do? Make disciples. That's, I mean, that is a calling. And every one of us have that calling. A lot of us, some of us even have vocations to be pastors some of the time, and then other times they're real estate developers and construction company operators. And uh, I was a farmer the first career I had. I worked with my dad, and I knew more about farming than a lot of farmers I've met. Uh, I really plead ignorance on that count, though. I don't want to be one no more. But I, I would just say it this way. Your vocations might change, but the callings of God are irrevocable. Some of you have a prophetic anointing on your life. Some of you have an intercessory calling on your life. Some of you have an evangelistic gifting in your life. Some of you have a teaching calling in your life. All of you have a calling to get on the road and journey hard after Jesus. Can I hear an amen? I like that. That's why I said that. So I'm going to get you, let you encourage me. All right. Final thing is, on this journey is a life of preparation. Now, as I was, and, and let's, let's just look at, look at this. Therefore, God's not a call, ashamed to be called their God. God is, for he has prepared a city for them. Last week, we, we opened the section on John 14, which follows John 13. Okay. Jesus' opening words in John 13, 14 is, don't let your hearts be troubled, guys. You believe in the Father, you believe in me. If you believe in the Father, believe in me. And then he's, talks about the way, the truth, and life. And he says, oh, you need to know this. I'm going, I'm leaving, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. A life of preparation is not about you preparing a whole bunch of stuff. Because this journey you can't really prepare for except in your heart. But what is being prepared is who's preparing it for you. That's the most important thing. It's not something you have to do. It's something he's already doing for you. If I were to tell you that... Um, how many, have any of you ever been in an Airbnb and go, this is a lot nicer place than I live in? If you've ever... If you've ever been to somebody else's house whose parents are a lot wealthier than yours and you're walking around kind of looking around, let me just tell you, that's the outhouse in heaven. Okay? That, I mean, I don't think there are outhouses in heaven, but, you know, you, you appreciate the metaphor, I hope. This thing that he's preparing for you, and I'm almost... I'm very cautious about this because it's not about possessions or money or wealth. It is, he is 
the place he's preparing for us in his own heart. And I, I don't even get the, all that, don't need to. I like living with mystery. Living with mystery um, is actually the only way we can actually learn to get revelation. It's not the other way. I, I, I get revelation and then I get rid of mystery. No, learning to love the mystery of the Godhead is really a wonderful place to get yourself to because then all of a sudden you start understanding more things than you would have ever understood by not being and embracing a mystery in your life. I don't know who that was for, but that was for somebody. Troubling times don't mean we have to have a troubled heart. How many of you know that your external weather doesn't really, or shouldn't, as a follower of Jesus, determine your interior climate? Part of what God is doing on this journey, all those detours, all those cul-de-sacs, all those turns and stops, every one of them have been expertly designed in the scheme of things to work for your benefit. And some of those things may have had some tragedy in them, huge disappointments like divorce or Get, you lost a job. God forbid you lost a child. I met a couple yesterday that lost two of their three children. I met somebody, they were both older than Brenda and me, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> and they were unbelievably filled with joy. Uh, there were, we were in a meeting yesterday, there was about 100 people there. They were the most joy-filled people in the whole room. In, in, I mean, I, and I, I, if you'd have told me their, their story before I met them, I would have gone, no way. But see, they didn't let their life determine, their exterior life determine their interior weather. Now, trust me, they, we'll talk about all the, camping out in the wrong spot in our next few sessions, but I wrote this down, a life of preparation is homecoming is coming home. Home is where the heart is and where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I just say it's really hard to want to go home if you don't have your treasure in the right spot? If you're not investing in the kingdom, of God, you will never be able to be re able to remember the city that, that whose builder and found, founder is the Lord God Himself. You, you have to, you, that's the prep, that, that's really all. You, you keep saying yes to Him. That's it. And sometimes your yeses can be, yeah. He takes whatever you give him. Yeah. First Philippians 1.6. I think this is from the contemporary English version. God is the one who began this good work in you. And I'm certain that he won't stop before it's complete on the day that Christ Jesus returns. Father, I ask that you would 
over the next several months, prepare us for the journey. This road that you've called us to be on. Lord, help us to anticipate the curves, the valleys, the mountains. Lord, help us to know how to win when we get locked in, backed up to Helm's Deep, Helm's Keep, deep in the valley. Lord, when, we, when we're surrounded by orcs, when, when we don't know even who our friends are because of betrayal at times, Lord, I just pray right now that this would be a church that is so resilient that those of us who are older and are seated in heaven will be cheering all these younger ones on because they're dread champions. They are exceeding anything we could have ever thought about doing. And Lord, you take the weak and the despised, and Lord, I know this generation, you are calling this current young generation up to an assignment. To straighten out the road. I'd like to have everybody stand up, and I would like to elders and life group leaders to come forward. I just want to, I don't want to pass this moment up uh, for anyone who says, you know what, I've been kind of wondering about whether I really want to tackle this way because. Uh, sometimes there's lions and tigers and bears oh no on the road it's not always uh, an easy road and you know we don't do false advertising here Jesus said take up my cross and follow me and he walked on a road up to a hill called Golgotha and he's inviting you to do the exact same thing it's always what he is in invitations. He's, he's, he never does false advertising. But what he's saying is you get, to a, you get to a paradise. And it's not just that, but you get to do it with people that really love you and have your back. So I'm going to invite you to do a couple of things. Is there some places where you want to, you're just kind of sagged down and you wanted to quit and you, maybe you have. I want to invite you to just say, hey, I re-up. Maybe you've never gotten on the road. If you've never gotten on the road and you say, you know what? I I really want to follow Jesus. I don't even understand what all that means, but I know this. I don't want to keep following me because I'm just, I'm in a permanent cul-de-sac. Maybe you just need to be encouraged on the road. Maybe you're just like, I am so tired so let's just pray bow your heads and I just want to invite you to come forward and to pray with somebody up front this morning maybe you have a sickness by the way we do believe in healing of sick bodies we're we're not afraid to say that we're those people yeah um, we believe that Jesus is the healer but he does do it through human beings If you've got a chronic problem that you've had prayed for 1,500 times, come back up here and get prayed 1,501.
because Jesus is the healer.